welcome to Just Plain Wrong, the podcast where three Mennonite librarians discuss Amish fiction and depictions of Amish, Mennonites, and other plain groups in pop culture. I'm Abby, and together with my co-hosts, Tilly and Aaron, we will be doing a question and answer episode. We should state up front that some of these questions were submitted by actual listeners and some were brazenly concocted by ourselves. We'll let you guess which is which. <laughs> First question, how do you find these books? What do you think, Tilly? Well, they come to us through a variety of ways. Certainly, we have all worked at the Mennonite Historical Library and seen things come through and titles that jump out at you get put on the list right away if they're particularly funny or if we see a premise that's interesting. There are countless, countless options there. Uh, there's also the Mennonite Network, friends, family, coworkers who say, hey, you know, I watched, you know, Shit's Creek the other night and there was an episode where someone went and hung out with the Amish for a while or maybe they were Mennonite. So we've got a list of smaller segments as well. We even get kind of excited when, you know, we're answered the answer on Jeopardy is Mennonite or the New York Times crossword, you know, makes you answer something Amish and they all kind of get filed away for later poking at. Hi everyone. This is Aaron. Um, I'm going to chime in a bit to answer this question as well. Uh, just to say that if you want to read along so that you can kind of understand more fully the narrative of some of the books and movies. We will always try and mention the next bit of media at the end of the episode, but just due to the logistics of podcasting, we aren't always sure which episode will be posted next. So if you follow us on social media, um, Twitter and Instagram in particular, handle is plain wrong pod. That's where we will always post the upcoming book or movie, uh, typically on a Friday or Saturday so that you have a few days to watch or read it prior to our episode posting. We usually find the books for our own personal reading via our local public library ebook collections, or we buy them through Amazon for our Kindles. For movies, uh, they're usually streaming somewhere, so we'll post that information when we announce the title as well. So the next question is obviously related. How do we choose what to review? I can just say, of course, it's always total consensus every time because we're all good Mennonites, but no, actually, um, we work together. Like they were saying, we have this giant multi-tabbed spreadsheet of options. And usually at some portion of the evening, when we record these things, we spend browsing through it and kind of picking ones that look of interest to us. Uh, however, our current book that we're reading to be recorded next week was selected through the time-honored Mennonite tradition of frugality. It was temporarily free on Amazon and looked amusing. So we all downloaded <laughs> a copy. That said, we would really love to hear suggestions from you. So you can also, you know, uh, let us know if you have things that you want us to review and you can send us emails or like Aaron said, contact us on Instagram or Twitter. So our next question is just a general, what's up with that intro music? So when brainstorming what to do for sort of a theme song or intro music, I suggested in one of our brainstorming sessions, the idea of taking a commonly known hymn and sort of messing up the ending to represent the plain wrong part of the podcast title. 
So that's actually me playing piano. And you don't really want to know how many takes this took to record, partly because it's not like a keyboard piano that I could just plug a mic in. I had to position a microphone around a normal piano to figure out what would work. And then it was really difficult to find a balance of wrong notes that you would know were wrong and what we were trying to do, but like wouldn't be so wrong and so obnoxious sounding that people would just immediately turn the podcast off. So I probably went hours worth of attempts somewhere on my computer. As for the song choice, we went with Praise God From Whom because it's commonly known and it's also so old that we didn't have to worry about copyright issues. And I've also tried to record an outro, which would kind of be the opposite, like starting wrong, but then ending with the right notes. Uh, Turns out that is much harder to do. uh, And maybe someday I'll manage to record one that we can add as an outro. But that's how the theme song came to be. We mentioned names a lot. Is Yoder really that popular a name in Lancaster? As in the joke from For Richer or Poorer. And are names like Priscilla and Asher really that uncommon? The answer here is that we probably overgeneralized a little too much. We didn't think that Jaden and Asher and Priscilla were Amish names. And it turns out that they might be in certain circumstances. You'll probably hear us say this repeatedly, but not all plain communities are alike. So the Lancaster area plain groups do tend to stick to more traditional names, but communities and places elsewhere in North America, Elkhart County, where I live included, are a little bit more eager to try out new names. Last week in this county, we saw the birth of two Briels who were born to Amish families. So there is some variance. And as for Yoders, there are a lot of us, if you look at playing groups across America as a whole. But the truth is, there are fewer Yoders in Lancaster than there are in Ohio or Indiana or Iowa, where there are a lot. Yes. A fun fact about Iowa is that my class, my high school class of approximately 50, had nine Yoders and nine Millers. So my brothers and I were the only Yoders in our school for years Uh, We stood out. But when I came to Mennonite College that my brothers had also attended, it was a common enough last name that people didn't really think anything of a Yoder hanging out with another Yoder. And on at least two occasions, people would see me hanging out with my brother Noah and assumed that we were dating because we would walk arm in arm and we would laugh. And they didn't think anything of the fact that we had the same last name. But We are siblings, and we are not dating. And neither were we then. We were not dating. (laughs) So Um, just reiterate, you did not date date my brothers. (laughs) Yeah, the the longer story there is that we had a professor who was very concerned that I was dating Noah on a study abroad term, and we were going to be traveling afterward, and he thought I was too young to be traveling with my boyfriend. Oh, that's great. (laughs) Next question. Will we review the Amish episode of Schitt's Creek? I'm trying my best Alexa voice here. Oh my God, of course we're going to be covering the time when David runs away to go stay with the farm witches and it's going to be super cute. But um, we're not sure when we're going to get to it. So you should just like wait a while. That was my best Alexa voice. Next question. Beyond our own experience, what sources are we relying on to check our facts? Truthfully, Wikipedia. Also, Joe, the curator of the Mennonite Historical Library, and at various points, our current boss, former boss, and hopefully soon-to-be guest of a podcast. I also occasionally consult my family text chain and my mother. 
As for me, one of my favorite sources, in addition to the ones that Tilly just said, is Gamia, which you can find. It's the Global Anabaptist Mennonite Encyclopedia online. It's written by experts. It's a great source and it's available for free. You can find it at gamio.org. Along with everything that Tilly and Abby have mentioned, in particular Wikipedia, and you might not know this, but librarians love Wikipedia. I have a whole shelf of, I call it my Mennonite bookshelf, um, collected just through various classes or research projects. Um, And so far for this podcast, the one I have consulted the most is The Riddle of Amish Culture by Donald Crable. And this book is a little bit outdated. It was published in 1989, at least the copy I have. Um, So there, I think, might be uh, a newer edition or there might be more more up-to-date books. But uh, if you're just looking for a very readable and interesting book that covers some of the basics of Amish life, I do recommend it, even though it's, I think, older than Tilly. By year. What are the major differences socially, economically, religiously between the Amish living in various U.S. regions? So this is a really good question and one that we should probably cover in more depth, maybe when we have a guest expert on the show, since I feel like none of us are entirely qualified to talk about this. However, I would say some of the biggest differences would lie between the areas where Amish have lived for many years and places where they have more recently started communities. For example, places like Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Holmes County, Ohio, and Shipshawana, Indiana are going to have more in common to each other than the places where Amish are newer, like Colorado or New York or places further out west. Uh, Another factor would be how the Amish make their living. While many Amish still farm, they also run stores, work in manufacturing, and many other fields. This also has a really big impact on the differences between communities. Yeah, and I'd add to that that whether they're allowed to work in factories or run businesses really impacts the amount of socialization that occurs between English and Amish. So for example, in Northern Indiana, where they are allowed to work in factories and many run their own businesses, they're there are Amish everywhere. <laughs> um, and I was honestly a little shocked when I first moved to, to the Goshen area and just saw them at the store. Uh, they're at the fair. They're much more present in the community than the Amish community I grew up near, the Kelowna, Iowa Amish, where the Amish are actually prohibited from working in factories. And there's some tourism, but nothing like you would find in Northern Indiana or Holmes County. So all of this just goes back to that concept that we talked about a lot in our last episode on for richer or poorer of Ordnung and the various rules that each community has. Uh, And I personally find it really fascinating to observe these differences between groups and understand how those came to be. So for our next question, This is one that came in from a reader, so I'm just going to read it as it was written. I am also so curious about whether there are any depictions of non-plain minnows or other Anabaptists in media or pop culture. That is a good question. Non-plain Anabaptists definitely aren't as popular in the broader media. The lack of covering, none of those adorable buggies and horses really kind of, um, we, we, we miss out a lot to our more conservatively dressed siblings. We did find one romance book that appears to involve a modern Canadian Mennonite falling in love with an older Mennonite, and I'm pretty excited to read that one. There are also books by quote-unquote real Mennonite authors uh, like Miriam Taves that would fall more into a literary fiction category uh, versus like a romance category, and these explore 
aspects of Mennonite life and Mennonite identity in a very, very different way than the books that we have uh, been focusing on so far. Our last question that we're going to end with is just a, a personal one. Are you a cake person or a pie person? I personally, I think all desserts are delicious, but I think pie beats cake every time. I feel like all cake is essentially the same, but pie can be wildly different. So you can have fruit pie, cream pie, savory pie. Like I would argue that quiche is an egg pie. And I was also recently introduced to this amazing dish called a samosa pie, which is like curried vegetables and a pie crust. Amazing. But the best pie is like a simple apple or peach pie fresh out of the oven on a summer's day with a big old scoop of vanilla, vanilla ice cream. And I don't think there's anything further to debate, but I will let the two of you answer. <laughs> I am usually a whatever dessert is in front of me kind of person. I think pie when it's bad is terrible and cake when it's bad is tolerable. Interesting. But mm-hmm. when you, when faced with a really good pie and a really good cake. If I had to choose between them, I would probably cry and then try to eat both. (laughs) And then if I really had to go for the pie because they are, I don't know, they're cozier to me somehow. I, when I eat one, I feel satisfied. When I make one, I feel satisfied. And when I eat and make cake, I, I mean, I feel satisfied as well, but not in the same sort of like, homey way there's something about the pastry hmm. that makes pie special it's true it's true well I do have to say I am neither a cake person or a pie person I'm a human flesh and blood <laughs> person just gotta point that out there in case any of you were confused thought you were gonna say you were a cheesecake person yeah Ooh. yeah that could add another whole interesting <laughs> element yeah, for, I don't think cheesecake deserves the name cake. I think it's yeah. its own category. Or it's a fancy pie. It's basically a tart. Anyways, so I will say in the debate, I favor cake. My absolute favorite from the pie category is a slice of pumpkin pie with an unholy amount of whipped cream draped over it so you can no longer even see that there's a pumpkin pie slice underneath. And then you have it with a mug of decaf coffee. That said, cake is my one true love. Ideally, a slice of chocolate cake with peanut butter frosting or maybe some carrot cake with a thick layer of cream cheese icing. Mm, So tasty. So that wraps up our very first question and answer episode. Thanks to everyone who sent in questions. We, like we said, we continue to be slightly bemused that people are listening to this. So the fact that people actually submitted questions made us all super happy. So thank you. Next week, we will be discussing the historical fiction novel Mennonite Queen by Patrick Craig. And as a little teaser, not only is this going to be our first uh, historic fiction, this also deals pretty intensely with the Anabaptist Revolution in Munster. So if that's your jam, definitely tune in next week.